You're listening to Mile 406, your mobile learning opportunity from the Montana Department of Transportation. And now your host of Mile 406. Thank you, Scott. So Scott and Casey and I, as workforce development trainers, are really quite excited about some of the new opportunities we have to interact with you. It's not just classroom anymore. Of course, for the pandemic for two years, it was just virtual classroom. So we kind of feel like we're back in the saddle again and being able to offer a variety of things. And these webinars are just one more, it's just one more tool that we can do that. So we're pretty excited that we can do that in addition to the town hall meetings. And we're also exploring the idea of podcasts and things like that. So we're all pretty happy about that. Until, until my colleagues look at me and say, yeah, for the webinar series, you get to do performance evaluations. And I'm like, ah, why did you give me performance evaluations? And I tell you that story because I think it's a perfect segue into, unfortunately, how many of you probably feel about the whole idea of performance management. It's difficult, it's a chore, it's it's hard to see progress. So I don't really feel that way about today. Um, and I have, I hope, some ideas to share with you. But let me just say, as a, as a uh, prior or previous manager, that I understand if you do. I understand if you look at this and say, wow, you know, this is just about my least favorite activity of being a manager. So I think that's a good place for us to start today. I have titled this presentation, Inspiring Performance. It's all about engagement, right? And many of you and the American workplace in general does not put performance evaluations in that category. It's not about inspiring performance, about a lot of other things, but you would never say inspiring performance. Well, isn't that too bad? And aren't we just really leaving some great opportunities on the table when we don't use evaluation to inspire performance? But that's not the way it's looked for a long time in America, and we need to change that. So the first thing I want you to do is to go into Q&A, and I want you to identify one, maybe two things that to you are real stumbling blocks to being effective in giving performance evaluations. So let's agree that we'll leave the talent, the online talent um, software off the table because it's not really what uh, we can address today. But other than that, what are the kinds of things that slow you down and make you less effective? Let me give you about a minute to think that through. Okay, so I asked you to think about the kinds of things that tend to make you less effective or that are just really stumbling um, blocks for you. Um, So we have everything from conflict to motivation. This is an interesting one. Thank you, Chris. Keeping goals real and specific so that it really means something to the employee and that they take it seriously. Okay? We have some built-in stumbling blocks for sure, okay? So I'm Natalie talking about a merit. There's not a merit system, you know, that really makes the reviews um, count for something. And that is something 
in the public uh, sector that we do need, we do struggle with for sure. Okay, co-management, managing time, workload and priorities. Yeah, to deliberately pay attention to staff performance throughout the year, James, you just went to the head of the class. That's what we're looking for. That's what's most effective. And I agree, it's not real easy, okay? Oh, this is interesting from Jonathan. The blue collar guys I supervise kind of find them offensive. Yeah, there's a lot of people who find performance evaluations offensive. I hate to say it. <laughs> and Joyce says, am I saying what I really want to say? Is, is the words that are coming out of my mouth really indicative of how I feel and what's most important to me? Okay, getting people just to buy in to... Uh, you know that this is important and not just a sort of a, a blank exercise right um and then beth talks about you know we start out in january or july saying x oh but then three months later you know we've got y and and what does that look like so i totally agree with you that those are very legitimate today is not a um it certainly is not a review of the talent system and it's not just going to gloss over those things and say oh well it doesn't exist it is going to try to give you maybe a slightly different perspective on how to approach the idea of an evaluation how we put evaluations into some sort of context so that we can in fact inspire per, uh, performance not always easy but i think it's doable all right so Here's how performance evaluations in the American workplace and here at MDT are often uh, construed. It's a check the box exercise. It's me, of course, evaluating you. That's the term we use. So it's like, do I give you three stars or do I give you four stars? You know, on a scale of one to five, are you a three, you're three and a half, or are you a four? And what does it mean to be a four? And what does it mean to be a three? So it becomes an exercise in the process and the thought and the effort and the um the reason we do it sort of gets lost in translation so if this is how you look at or if this is how your employees look at the evaluation process then like you say it's kind of offensive or it's just kind of meaningless and that's really too bad because we're leaving a lot of growth on the table and walking away from it if that's how we look at it so here's what I want to do today. I want to shift your thinking a little bit away from the idea of managing towards the idea of engaging. And that means that you form a partnership between the employee and the agency. <coughs> and you, of course, as a manager are smack dab in the middle of that. We, of course, will also talk about the MDT process and what is expected. We'll talk a little bit about some of the tools like stay interviews that can be part of this evaluation process. So that's kind of where I wanna go. We'll stop every once in a while to have you think about, I'll pose some questions, have you think about, you know, how you might, might make this shift. Um, my goal is that you stop looking at evaluations as a pointless or be a really uncomfortable situation. And instead just see it as one more tool that you have to make your team the best it can possibly be. So one of our other webinars, I believe it's in two months, is going to be effective feedback. 
So, of course, what we have to say today really bleeds into effective feedback, <clears throat> and I will make some general comments and suggestions, um, but I'm not going to really dive into the details of that because that's what we'll do. Um, you will hear that in, in December. All right. So this is kind of our roadmap of where we want to go today. There's a couple of foundational ideas really appeal to and apply to the performance evaluation process. Our old friend, inclusion, respect, and control is at the top of the list. So for those of you that have attended a lot of our classes, you know we talk about this a lot, and it is foundational to a lot of our classes. We call this, these are drivers of human performance or human behavior, excuse me. So that's about as basic as you can get, right? We say that human beings have a need to be included and that human beings want for, look for, and demand respect of some sort, right? And that human beings, by the time, well, want control. I was going to say by the time you're an adult, but that's not true because two-year-olds and teenagers both are angling for control, and that's what makes them sometimes a little difficult to work with. So inclusion, respect, and control are just part of how you live your life as a human being. You can see how important that would be when you are trying to engage and motivate someone to be the best that they can be. The performance evaluation process in America, yeah, not so much. Okay, it's seen as one and done. It's seen as a one-way conversation. It's seen as judgment. So it really bumps up against this need for inclusion, respect, and control. We want a process that highlights this and makes it work for us. And here's another idea. Heard this in a training class a couple of weeks ago, and I really like it. And I really like it for this particular topic which is that people don't care what you know until they know that you care. So I've been part and have heard stories where the evaluator, which is you, the manager, sits down with the employee and the employee discounts everything they say. It's like, well, you don't really know what's going on. Well, you don't have any examples of that, you know, and, and you're, just, uh, you're just checking a box. And that's really too bad. When in fact, people know that you do care, that you are absolutely invested in helping this employee be the best that they can be, then the evaluation seems fair. So when you look at inclusion, respect, and control, the other thing that really uh, pops into mind, and this comes out of the SCARF model, for those of you that know about the SCARF model, is that another driver of human behavior is fairness. We want things to appear to be fair doesn't have to be perfect and we don't have to agree with it and we don't like to have we don't insist that we always like the outcome but we need to be able to sit back look at what happened and say okay yeah I can see where they came came to that conclusion that is that is relatively fair and that doesn't happen in performance appraisals either so I think between inclusion respect and control and then building onto that this idea, that your employees really need to know how much you care, that it positions yourself, you, you to begin to build that engagement that we think is so, so essential. All right, so the term that is normally used to talk about all these behaviors and activities is the term performance management. 
So it includes the not so much fun stuff, life discipline, or having to have a, a critical conversation, but it also includes the good stuff, like learning paths and, and career paths and lots of, of daily feedback. And that is what we all talk about as being a way to, uh, to manage someone's performance. I will say that there are folks who bristle at that term for a lot of reasons, but they say you don't manage people. You manage, you know, projects or problems or cows, but you don't manage people. So where did it come from? Well, it is in an industrial age term that really reflects the realities of factory work. So work that is unchanging, that is easily measured. You're making X number of widgets an hour, right? The motivation and the control for sure came from someone else. It came from superiors. It came from the the foreman, it came from the leaders. Not a whole lot for the individual um, to contribute. So you can manage that. That is easy or easier to manage. Well, as you all know, <laughs> we don't live in the industrial age anymore. We live in what they call the post-industrial age or the information age. And this is true, of course. It's not true for everybody. It's not true for the whole world. But it's true for many of us that we live in the world of ideas, not of widgets, that we're very self-directed. So think about how you you put together your own calendar and, and you decide what your daily work is going to look like and, and what you're going to, you know, what your priorities are, right? So everything is much more sort of self-directed, which means that motivation is coming from within. You decide what's best for you, knowing how you fit in with your team. You also have a lot more control, not 100%, of course, there's a lot more intrinsic. So both the motivation and the control this day and age, for many of us, is much more intrinsic than it is extrinsic. Okay, so what does that mean for you as a manager? It means that connection matters. Connection with your employees, connection with priorities, and it can happen in a variety of ways. And I'm not even going to throw in the pandemic and now remote work. That makes it even more important. So how do you get this connection? Well, we all know you do a variety of things, right? You communicate up, down, and across the chain. You give feedback and you ask for feedback. You're really inclusive. You give people autonomy. There's a variety of things we could add to this list, but that is your job. That is your job as a manager is to build that connection. So here's my next question for you. I want to give you about 30, 45 seconds. I want you to give yourself a grade as to how you feel you are doing in building connection with your team. How connected are you all as a team? You don't need to put it in Q&A unless you want to. Hey, Robin, there is actually a question that's in the Q&A that I think is a great question. Uh, it says, Robin mentioned reviewing stay interviews with staff. My impression was this was a one-time thing to discuss with staff. But should we continue to discuss and review these with staff during the quarterly check-ins every six months or even at the end of the year? Yes, that is an excellent question, Beth. And the answer is yes, you should continue 
And as we um, get near the end of this webinar, I'll make sure that I paint a picture of, of how we want that to happen. The stay interview, I'm glad you're doing it, Beth. It is a wonderful tool and it's an easy tool. And um, just off the top of my head, I think it should be done at least once a year. And uh, so thank you for answering. Yeah, thank you for answering. All right. <clears throat> so I asked you to sort of give yourself a grade, a one to five or an A, B, C, D, F. <clears throat> uh, whatever works for you is how much connection do you think there is? So most people will not give themselves zeros and ones. We're, we're past that, thank goodness. Um, but there's not a lot of, of people that will give themselves an A plus two. And I think that's fair. It is a work in progress for sure. But you can't move forward into embracing evaluation as something that's logical, might I even say kind of enjoyable, <clears throat> or at least effective, if this connection doesn't exist. So in addition to the connection, you have to build alignment. And so I want to introduce you to a new, a new phrase. Instead of talking about performance uh, management, that you substitute the word um, engagement instead. Okay? Um, so employees have skills, employees have development needs, employees have development wants. They want to grow their abilities, they want to move up. Um, if there's a ladder, they, they might want to move up it. Doesn't the agency also have needs too? Well, of course, yeah. When employees appreciate and are appreciated for their contribution to what the agency needs to do, then they feel engaged. So we all bandy this, this term around a lot. We talk about engaged employees, I'm engaged, or that person's disengaged. And that's what we're talking about, is that the person understands where they fit in the overall scheme of things. They, they um, adopt and accept what the agency needs to do. They're excited to participate and they know that they matter. When you have performance engagement, that is one step above performance management, but it's an important step and it is a much more, um, uh, it's, it's more useful and it's more, I guess, impactful is a good word. In terms of you as a manager, getting the sort of results out of your folks that you need. And it's much more impactful for the employee to feel like they have a future here, that they can stay. So everything we're talking about today has to do with recruiting and retention um, as much as it does, you know, anything else. So we need this alignment. And sometimes there's great alignment. And then in some organizations, there's almost no alignment. And you go in and you ask an employee, so what do you do here and why does it matter? And they'll look at you blankly and say, well, I do uh, X. And that's just all I know. Boy, that's a dangerous place to be. I don't think that's where MDT is. I think that we have built over the years a sense of pride in what we do. Um, and that builds accountability. But still, it's an important point that engagement is based around alignment of what the employee needs and wants to do and what the agency needs and wants to do. In order for you both to thrive, there needs to be that. So let's look at some definitions of what this is. So here are two of them. 
the strategic approach to creating and sustaining improved performance, leading to an increase in the effectiveness of the organization. That's pretty, pretty standard. Here's an easier one. A set of activities, tools, and processes to help employees meet goals. Okay? So I think we can lean into that. Here's two more. A system that helps employees and managers collaborate in a meaningful way that leads to increased productivity and a chance to define successes, highlight areas of improvement according to what the agency needs and what the agency expects. So these are pretty good definitions of what performance engagement looks like sort of at the corporate level or at the, at the agency level, the things you want to do. And here's what our employees really need to understand. These are not mutually exclusive. This is a win-win situation for both. So I took the liberty of highlighting in blue the things that matter to the employee and highlighting in yellow why it matters to the agency. So creating and sustaining improved performance, that's a really good thing for our employees. But it matters to the agency because you have increased effectiveness. Activities, tools, and processes to help employees, that's good news. But it's to, it's to meet the goals that we do it. Collaborating in a meaningful way, that's a tool and an ability, an opportunity that our employees want. And it results in increased productivity. And the ability to define success and highlight areas improvement. And then, of course, have opportunities to work on that improvement is absolutely dynamite for our employees but it also helps the agency identify what it needs, what it can expect, and ultimately what it's going to see, okay? So in a nutshell, I think we could say, if we look at these kinds of definitions and the win-win categories that they really fall into, that performance engagement is the whole thing. It is the whole suite of behaviors and expectations and opportunities that will allow us all to grow and allow us all to be as successful as we can be. And yes, evaluation is part of that. It is a logical part, but it is part of the program. It is part of the suite. It does not stand alone in isolation. And standing alone in isolation, unfortunately, has been pretty much the way the American workplace has looked at evaluation through the years. It is only one part of the entire equation. When you do it in isolation, I'll tell you what gets dropped. What gets dropped is all the development aspect and what's left is the judgment aspect. And then we're back to giving people grades. Then we're back to telling people, well, you made the grade you didn't this year. And nobody likes that. And of course, <laughs> nobody likes that, right? So some people say, oh, it's just semantics, words are words. But I think there is a different emphasis between managing someone and engaging someone. And when you want to figure out where the evaluation process sort of lies within that continuum, well, it has to be part and parcel of it. It can't be one and done. It can't be just once a year. It has to be ongoing. But it also makes sense. It's about engaging the employee so they can feel like they matter and they have opportunities for growth. And it should matter to the agency because they get what they need in order to thrive. All right. So if we accept that, then the question becomes, well, like, what does it look like? 
know, how much engagement do you need? And what kinds of engagement do you need? And is there really this big divide, you know, between employees and managers and, and organizations? Are we not all on the same page? <laughs> oh, that's an excellent question. No. In a nutshell, we are not all on the same page. And MDT, I think, is a pretty good reflection of the American workplace, which means that we have pockets that are absolutely fabulous. And I am so glad you're doing what you're doing. Beth mentioned that she's doing stay interviews. Good for you. I know a number of bureaus within MDT that are doing them. I also know of many parts of MDT where there is not much going on at all. So we introduced the idea of check-ins two years ago. Two years ago, we introduced that. It's really important that four times a year you sit down and you have these conversations with your employees, blah, 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 blah. So I teach the management development program. Part of that is I have a, a group of usually around uh, 20 folks. They're not yet supervisors, individual contributors. And at some point, whether it's the feedback class or the managing difficult conversations class or one of them, I talk about check-ins. And now I have to kind of brace myself because I say, you know, when you have your check-in and then I pause <laughs> and then I look around the room and 99% of the time I get nothing but either puzzled or at least blank stares from my students. And this has been true for the last two years. Okay, so the whole idea of ongoing feedback and quarterly check-ins, we are still not there. So it's a work in progress and we'll just keep plugging away. Things like today might help, right? But there are two perspectives. The agency can say, this is really important and we need it. Employees will sometimes say, yeah, you know, not so much. Or sometimes vice versa. Actually, it's very often vice versa. When the employees say, hey, this is a good idea. I want to talk to you. And the agency, the organization, the manager is like, yeah, yeah, we'll do it tomorrow. Okay? So there is a real need. If you were wondering. There is a real need. So there was an organization four years ago, which is a drop in the bucket when you're talking about trying to move the needle on cultural behavior. It could have, I'm guessing it's still the same today, unfortunately. That went um, out and did a survey to try to quantify how much of a divide there is. And they call it, they call it the growth divide. <laughs> and I have, just a few stats to share with you because, oh my goodness, it is quite um, illuminating, showing the real divide between what employees feel would really help them be successful and what senior managers in this case thought was appropriate. So this was a survey that went out to 500 senior managers and to 2,000 individual contributors in an office setting. So I understand that some of you are not in an office setting, but <clears throat> that's what this particular environment was. Over 50% of employees said, let's meet monthly. 69% of executives said that they conduct performance reviews, uh, maybe twice a year, but probably once a year. 90% of employees want to address performance mistakes when they happen. Hey, there's an idea. 67% of executives in this survey admitted to removing negative feedback from employee evaluations because too much time had passed 
between the incident and the review for it to be relevant. Excuse me? Well, that is nuts. 68% of executives say they learn of employees' concerns or issues for the first time during a performance evaluation. And 86% of executives say their company would benefit from more frequent check-ins with employees. Is there a disconnect here? Yes. There is a huge divide, generally speaking, between what employees say would really help them, that, and they don't use this word, of course, that will build engagement, and what um, supervisors are, um, are willing to do. That's lack of engagement. That's obviously lack of communication, and that's nuts. And here, I saved the best for last as my personal favorite. Employees don't know what they'll be evaluated on. Fewer than one-third learned about performance measure, measurement criteria when they started, but most found out much later. And 16% say that they still don't know. I mean, I started to laugh at that one because it's, you know, you're either going to laugh or you're going to cry. Holy cow, that is not okay. And if that is a reflection of even one tiny little corner of MDT, we need to change it. We do not need this kind of divide and, and disconnection between what builds engagement and what impacts performance. It's that connection that you need. So that's why I, I um, introduced the idea of shifting away from just managing the process to really engaging, uh, engaging your employees. And here's the good news. We just proved to ourselves that it's not one or the other. They are not mutually exclusive. You can do both. Look at these look at these definitions that we just looked at. What's in blue is what's good for the agency, what uh, employee. What's in yellow is what's good for the agency. You can have both. Absolutely, you can have both, and we need both. When we have that, then evaluation becomes part of that suite that I mentioned, that suite of behaviors, that suite of of efforts, and it's logical, and employees will accept it. But dang, how did we get here? How did we get to such a grand canyon of a divide between different groups? Well, you can blame it on the generations. So we can blame it on veterans because they're not around anymore, right? You can also blame it on boomers because we're starting to uh, exit says left but we're not all gone. <laughs> so some of you have heard this already in other classes that I teach, but veterans coming out of the World War II experience were substantially influenced by that experience. So they were used to a lot of hierarchy. They were used to status, meaning things like rank is power. Feedback is absolutely one way, and usually from higher to lower. Yeah, you know, you don't have a lot of uh, Feedback up, down, and across the chain, you know, if you're a private in the Army, right? Feedback at least usually starts out as negative. It's not always going to be that way, but you're going to hear a lot about what you're not doing right. Think about a raw recruit and a drill sergeant. So that's just the experience they had, and they brought it right into the American workplace. That makes sense, right? There's a lot of good stuff they brought in as well. But veterans had baby boomers, and baby boomers learned that sort of process 
um, as they entered the workforce. Unfortunately, I shouldn't say that, uh, fortunately or unfortunately, there's still a lot of baby boomers in charge in the American workplace, right? If you look at senior leaders, they're often in their 50s and 60s. That makes them, that makes them boomers. So they have adopted from the get-go and were treated this way to evaluations that are absolutely one way. It's a snapshot. I'm gonna give you a grade. Not gonna be a whole lot of discussion here. So I, as a manager, I'm just going to tell you, I might share a few things, share some anecdotes, share some examples, but you know, that's what it's gonna look like. Well, that's no fun. So baby boomer said, you know what? Once a year is fine. 15 minutes, plenty of time. Let's just leave it at that. And no news is good news. If I don't hear from you all year, okay, then that must mean I'm doing something right. And if you talk to older baby boomers and say, really? Give me some examples of that. They will give you examples of going in and asking their manager for feedback. And the person looks at them and says, well, I haven't complained yet, have I? That's feedback. That's not feedback. You know, or uh, if you screw up, you're going to know about it because I'm going to come and tell you. That's not feedback either, but that is absolutely what we were used to. So the graph you see there is very typical and very reasonable to one of your older workers. We'll set our goals in January. We'll talk about it in December. Focuses on the process of getting these started. Um, but, you know, not, not a whole lot in between, right? The return on performance for this model is 3 to 5%. That's what the experts will tell you. If this is how you treat your people and this is the kind of performance model you use, you're going to see a 3 to 5% improvement. I would say you could also see plain old declines, but we'll leave it at 3 to 5%, right? That's not okay. Fast forward 50 years, you've got Xers and especially millennials and Gen, Gen Z who have had lots of feedback and lots of collaboration all their lives, all their lives. Data, you bet. There's lots of it. It's easy to get, it's fast to get for the most part. It's accurate. It keeps them connected. Why on earth would that stop when you go into the workforce? It's not going to stop. If they have their way, it is not going to stop. So they want this model. That's quite different than the model I showed you a moment ago. Yeah, we'll have a little bit of extra effort at the beginning of the cycle, but then more or less, it's going to continue all year. Ladies and gentlemen, that is engagement. That's what it looks like. And it's not that hard to do. And there are lots of areas of MDT where it's working nicely. We have a couple of suggestions for you. I'll share them in a minute of what that looks like. But this works. And this has become the gold standard in a lot of the private sector. So Google, um, Accenture, which is a huge con uh, global uh, consulting company, um, uh, just a number of them have pretty much thrown the old, or have thrown the old performance evaluation process, so the, some of the descriptions we had at the beginning of our hour together, out the window and said, never again, we will try something else. And not everything is a home run. They've had their stumbles. 
but generally speaking, it is short, it is easy, it is fast, and it is ongoing feedback and communication. And yes, evaluation is part of that. And some of them, not all of them, some of them still do have a once a year evaluation that, uh, that we sit down and do together. Okay. But it's this model, not that old fashioned model I showed you before. This is hard for baby boomers. This is hard for your older Xers. You know, those people on the cusp between being a baby boomer and being an Xer. So let me tell you just very quickly a funny story about dragging a manager, kicking and screaming into the 21st century. So she looked at millennials as needing to be babysat, that you needed to hold their hands a lot. And it all circled around the idea of feedback. And she vehemently said, I will not hold their hands. I am not going to babysit them. They have a job to do. They're getting paid to do that job. They just need to come in and do their job. So did she have a point? Yeah, we all need to come in and do our job. But she did not see communication. She did not see that engagement of the person as being a motivating factor. It was just kind of a process you need to go through. So we'll go through it once a year. Thank you very much. Maybe twice. But be danged if I'm going to give you daily, weekly, or monthly feedback. That is just crazy. It was really, really hard for her to shift her thinking to seeing communication, seeing connection as being part of a motivating factor to make you do your very best work. And we all know that engaged employees give us our best work. So I've seen it. I've seen it in action. My guess is that some of you have. Um, have as well. All right, so let's um, stop for just a, a moment or two. I want you to go up into the Q&A and think about one idea that we've talked about that you think is, is something you might be able to begin to noodle about, to maybe um, highlight more in how you work with your managers, your employees something you think might make you a little bit more um, effective at what you do. So if you go back and look, you can see, you know, that we talked about outdated uh, models. We also talked about how it's a win-win situation for both the agency and the employee. Okay, I gave you some pretty sad examples of what that looks like. We've agreed that performance engagement is a, is a whole suite of behaviors not a one and done okay um it's a strategic approach that you want alignment between the others so think about these different ideas what's one idea that might shift a little bit how you look at how you use evaluation as a motivator with your employees so let me give you about a minute to think that through if you want to drop a word or two into the q a that would be great What's going to help you align your employees and motivate your employees to be even better? All right, so if you look at some of these comments, you'll see that we've got a theme going here, which is all about opening up the lines of communication using whatever tools available to you. Yeah, absolutely. Putting some of the focus on them, getting them to do more of the talking, having them do more of the sharing. 
and the idea that this is a way of developing your people, which is a way of uh, not maybe uh, to at least assure more retention. You can't guarantee it, but to at least to assure um, more that. All right, so some good stuff there. Let's now shift. We've got about 15 minutes left. Let's now shift to um, what it looks like here. So I've made a case, I hope, to moving away a little bit from the magic of managing someone to engaging someone, that they understand how their goals align with what the agency needs. That when you have both, it's a win-win situation for both, and that you're going to get that in increased or that really high level of performance from folks. That evaluation is not in isolation. It's part of this ongoing discussion, as you see here with this graph. So at MDT, we're asking that you do it in a particular way. So you're going to set some goals. Some of you do it in J July, some of us do it in January. You're going to work through those goals all year. That's what you do. Right? That's how you do your job. It has nothing to do with human resources. It has nothing really to do um, with the evaluation process other than, of course, but there's lots and lots of discussion about what's working. It's not. Some of you meet with people daily. Some of you meet with people once or twice a week or every other week. Okay, so that's totally your call. There are two things that we want you to add. And if you already are, thank you. You are a role model to others. One is we want you to add more casual feedback to your employees. So we're suggesting two or three times a month you make sure that you share something, give some sort of feedback to each of your employees. You can also, of course, ask them to give you feedback. It's a two-way street. So before you get all upset and say, I don't have time for this, let me model what I'm talking about. This does not have to be documented. doesn't particularly have to be planned out ahead of time. This is, for some of you, a new behavior. Behaviors take time. I understand that. Okay, so you're walking down the hall and you walk past, past Tommy's in his cubicle. You see he's reading his emails, and so you stop and you say, Hey, Tom, do you have a sec? And Tom looks up and says, Yeah. And you say, I was so impressed with the way you shared those statistics yesterday at the meeting. I know some of our audience is a little skeptical of what we want to do, but you had done excellent research and you were so solid in the way you explained this the stats, but I really do think that we move the needle a little bit. I really appreciate it. And Tom looks at you and goes, oh, sure. And you walk on your way. That's what I'm talking about. And my guess is that all of you do this already. For those of you that don't, though, this is part of that ongoing suite of behaviors that builds engagement, right? So casual feedback, they don't have to be documented but make sure that you do them. This is starting that culture of feedback that's so important to us. In addition, we want to add quarterly check-ins with each employee. This is documented in our talent system, but again, it is a pretty easy process. This is not a whole evaluation. That manager that I described that um, was, was firmly stuck in the 20th century, she saw evaluation as always being a really big deal and very formal. No, 
It doesn't have to be and it shouldn't be. The quarterly check-in should still just be a conversation. Okay? A quarterly conversation. I'll give you some details in a minute. And all that then rolls up to one final discussion at the end of the year. So this is your chance to glance. Use the rear view mirror, right? Glance back at where you've been and talk about where you want to go next. It is not the end all and be all of evaluation. Everything you've done during the year is actually more important. But still, it's a nice way to sort of tie up the package um, into a neat little bundle. And so we do ask for that. It is going to go into talent. It does make a difference. For those of you that say, oh, it never matters. That is not altogether true. When someone's applying for a job, okay, you know, someone might approach you and, and ask you for some feedback on what you thought that person's strengths were and, and that sort of thing. So it does reflect on all of us. To say that it just sort of gets dropped into a black hole, you know, is not um, is not true is not fair it is true that it doesn't impact salary and that makes it harder on the public sector but it still matters to us and engagement will tell you that it really matters to the employee they want to know how they're doing so they can get better at least engaged employees feel that way right all right so let's look at the feedback chats i just gave you an example short specific it's really nice if you can include impact do not say hey you did a great job you can start out that way if you want, but you cannot end that way. So you did a really great job, Tom. Let me tell you how. And then a little bit about impact is great. The check-in starts out usually sort of project or goal-based. So how we do it on our second quarter goals. And that's logical. You're doing them once a quarter. But here's what I'm going to ask of you. That you make sure that the employee perspective is there. And what I mean by that is how is the employee feeling about how the second quarter is going? So not a recitation of, of facts, but wow, this has been really difficult. I hope I never have to do this again. Or this was all new to me and you know what? I really enjoyed it. I'd love to do some more of this. Or I'm really frustrated by the lack of buy-in and the part of our client. Or you know, the, the tools, the software, I understand why we made the switch, but it sure has made my job harder. Whatever it might be, make sure that they do most of the talking and make sure that you get some of those feeling words. You know, that freaks out some people. I'm frustrated. I'm happy. I'm enjoying it. I'm not enjoying it. Whatever it might be, right? That is the value of the quarterly um, check-in. You already know how the project's doing. You go and you do that every day. But you don't always know how, how the employee's feeling and what's working for them. So that's why we add that to the list of things that you need to do. Make it easy. You can make it fast. It can be 15 minutes. It could be an hour, whatever the employee wants to talk about. All right? So those two things for some of you is going to be new. And I know that it is a priority, a, a time management issue sometimes. It's going to pay you back three and four and five times over. If your employee is engaged, if they see how they align to the agency and what they do matters, and that the evaluation is an ongoing part of that whole process, then they will more likely lean into it. Okay? So our talent system was built 
to encourage that collaboration. We want both sides talking. This is not a one-way snapshot on the part of the manager down to the employee. What does that mean? It means both sides are going to participate in talent, and that means you're going to have ping pong balls. And I know ping pong balls are really aggravating sometimes. For those of you that have not heard of that team, of that term, it's the back and forth, back and forth, back and forth that sometimes you end up doing. But I ask you to stick with it, to keep doing it and doing it well, and really emphasize it to your employee. This is also your platform. This is a place for you to share what's working and what your concerns are and what your development goals are so we can both participate. That makes the casual feedback better, makes the quarterly uh, feedback better, and that also is an important part of the evaluation process itself. Ping pong balls, yeah, kind of, uh, uh, kind of just comes with the territory, I guess, unless you go back to the old fashioned sit down, I'm just going to talk to you for 15 minutes. And we are way past that, and we are never going back. All right. So, for those of you that need help in talent, we can help you and we can um, provide you uh, resources through the Department of, um, of Administration. They've got some great. Um, help guides that will help you do that. So before I open it up for questions, let me just leave you with this idea that if you engage people, really differentiate yourself, not as a manager, but as a leader. And that as we build engagement and we build alignment, then the performance evaluation is no mystery. It's a logical consequence of everything you're doing and allows for growth on both sides. It allows the employee to grow, which of course means that the agency can grow as well. If your employees aren't growing, the agency's in trouble and we don't want to go there. It's an opportunity for both sides and I'd like you to embrace that opportunity. All right, we have five minutes. So, what sort of questions, comments do you have? Okay. Stay interviews. Oh, yes. I sort of glossed over that. Thank you, Amber. Stay interviews. If you go into the internet and you go to forms and you go to the letter R for recruiting and selection, you will see it as the last form under the R's. We put it in the recruiting slash retention slash selection process. It is a series of questions that are just prompts for you to use when you have that stay interview. So if we go back and look at this idea of quarterly check-ins, if your performance evaluation at the end of the year is one of those four meetings, and then if you adopt this stay interview once a year and have that interview with your employees, and then the questions are already asked of you, you can send it on to the employee ahead of time if you want. That only leaves two. That only leaves two quarterly check-ins for the whole year where it's up to you to kind of lead it and figure it out. That's not so bad. That's not asking for all that much. But the stay interview is all about what's working for you. It's that employee perspective that I encourage when it comes time for the um, quarterly check-ins. Right? So it is this. Uh, no, it's not that. It is 
it is this employee perspective that I mentioned. What do you love? What do you not love? What's driving you crazy? If someone were to recruit you away, what things would really matter to you? What might get you interested in leaving? Most people will say pay, but beyond pay, what else? You know, um, do you feel included? Do you feel that your talents are being really used? <clears throat> are there things that you can do that we are not using? It's questions like that. They're all written there. You don't need to use them all. You can choose half of them if you want. Your employees will really appreciate their perspective, their um, feelings being acknowledged and being used to make them, give them those growth opportunities that they need. Okay, that builds engagement big time. So good question. Good question. All right. Another one. Meeting. Yes, thank you, Annette. Annette is one of the first people that started using stay interviews. Man, we really appreciate that. You can create a list of your own. The internet has lots. Okay, they almost have as many stay interview questions as they do interview questions. Yeah, it's a great idea, Annette. Thank you. So make up your own. If you don't like these, just do it. Okay, so that is, uh, that's the most important thing. Whatever works for you, just make sure that you do it. All right, it's 1159. Phew, done a lot of talking. Usually in classes, you do a lot more group activities and such, but a webinar doesn't really lend itself to that. So I do appreciate the fact that you stayed on to the end, and I hope that you got something out of it. We do very much appreciate your feedback. And we'll have one next month. And then I believe December also is going to be feedback. So it will have a lot of connections to today. Thanks, Scott. Hey, Robin, before you go, there was one last question. Do you think you would have time to answer that? Oh, absolutely. Uh, it says, I'm yeah. confused on the stay interview questions you just quoted. Oh. Those are not the official five stay interview questions from the actual program. Where did these come from? Are people reading the stay interview book and going through the training? Hmm. Um, okay, Tammy, I'm not exactly sure what you're talking about. So let's you and I chat. Um, a lot of people here at MDT have leaned into the idea of stay interviews, but are looking at it from a couple of different perspectives. So the one that I am most familiar with is what is in our forms, but there may in fact be other ones as well. So let's you and I chat. It's a great question. Well, everybody, thank you for coming today. Um, I just want to let you know that any of the videos from these are being put up on MDT Classrooms on the course page. So if later on you want to review them, you can. We will be eventually, once we finish up the final touches, be putting these out on podcasts. So you can listen to these if you miss them. You can listen to them on the go while you're traveling around. If you have any questions, uh, feel free to send them to us. We'll answer any further questions after this. And I think that'll be it. So see you next month. Thank you. Have a great day. Human resources training courses can be accessed through MDT Classrooms. All information in this podcast is informational and does not supersede any policy or collective bargaining agreement. Thank you for joining us for this episode. Adventure awaits on the road.